folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night, as I am recording this one following the Denver Nuggets win over the Detroit Pistons. Final score, 117-111. Got a little bit close at the end, not going to lie. It was uh, one of those games where... You, 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 like Detroit was hanging around for the entire time, and then it gets to a point where the, the margin is 16, 17 or so, and you start to relax a little bit at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and then you you take a little bit of a blink of an eye, and, and one thing leads to another, and the margin is about four again, two even. And it's just one of those games that it wasn't a pretty game. It wasn't the, the best game that the Nuggets have ever played, but they did enough to get a victory. And given what's happened throughout the season, you take that. You've seen Denver give away games against the Charlotte Hornets, the LA Clippers, uh, giving a one away against the Detroit Pistons at home after you had built up a lead. That would have been really, really bad. It would have been pretty ugly. Not going to lie. But Denver doesn't do that. They retain the win. Even though they only had 10 available players tonight, they were still able to get it done. And that's good to see. That is a really, really good thing to see for Denver because now they finish this homestand 4-2. and two. And Michael Malone said that he, he, he had thought about that homestand, thought about this homestand that Denver was on. And you lose games against the Utah Jazz and the Memphis Grizzlies, but you beat some other decent teams as well. You beat the Lakers, you beat the Blazers, you beat the Clippers, and you beat the Detroit Pistons. And you feel pretty good. You feel like, okay, that's that's pretty much what Denver's supposed to do. They're probably supposed to get one of the games between the Jazz and the, the Grizzlies. Don't get me wrong. Like, they probably should have won the Grizzlies game. But going 4-2 and two is fine. You didn't go 3-3. Three and three. You didn't waste the road trip or the homestand. You went 4-2. and two. And now you can take this momentum, if it is momentum, if you want to call it that, you can take this, this feel-good moment on the road, into a game against these same Detroit Pistons in the next one. And you hope that it carries over, and if it does, then you feel pretty good about that, and you go from 23-21 and 21 to 25-21 and 21 while facing the same team twice. That would be, be the best-case scenario for Denver. But we're just going to have to see and wait. We'll wait until that happens. For now, let's talk about this game. Go with the starters in the first segment, bench in the second segment, and then we're going to take stock uh, of what Denver, what their record is right now, what we need to talk about before this upcoming road trip, and just see where things go from there. I think that's probably an important time to talk about it. But first, let's go with the starters. Let's talk about Nikola Jokic, who pretty quiet tonight, honestly. 34 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists. Two steals and a block was a plus 12, led all people in the plus minus department. Ho-hum. What a, what a, like a minimal game from him. Probably his worst game of this homestand, which is insane. Uh, I haven't actually checked that, but he was very good. He was very, very good. And and on both ends of the ball too. I thought he, he let Isaiah Stewart go off a little bit at the beginning but Isaiah Stewart made every shot, and that's just like, like how can you really foresee that if you're if you're Nikola Jokic? But Isaiah Stewart made every single shot. Uh, but Jokic comes back and still puts up 34 points on 19 shots. He got to the free throw line 10 times. I think he took two technical free throws. I think he took at least four free throws in the fourth quarter in his last stint. Uh, but Denver needed to go to him consistently down the stretch. And sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. Uh, he had a really nice kick-up pass to Will Barton, who hit a three at one point. Uh, but most of the time, he was just doing his thing, trying to make the best of a tough situation, like it has been for most of the year. And for most of the time, he got good shots off. And scoring 34 points on 19 shots is always going to go over well. And he breaks the triple-double streak, was one rebound, two assists away from a fifth triple-double in a row. But you can't keep it going forever. And in a game like tonight, where 
They didn't necessarily need the best version of Nikola Jokic, where he didn't have to carry the load as heavily as he usually does. Only scores 34 points, only dishes out eight assists. It didn't feel like he was as needed as he was in previous games, and that's important. That's that's really important to me. So good game from Nikola. Had some good moments in crunch time as well uh, in the on defense in the second half. Going up against Cade Cunningham, going up against uh, Trey Lyles at various points. Uh, switched out onto Sadiq Bay, Cade Cunningham, doing a really good job against those guys on the defensive end. It's not something he's ever going to get credit for, but it is something that happened. Um, all right, let's talk about Will Barton now. I thought had a pretty solid game. Only played 10 minutes in the first half due to foul trouble. Collected three fouls in 10 minutes. Finished with three fouls, by the way, so take that for what you will. But he finishes with 27 minutes and, and scores 14 points on 6 of 11 from the field and 2 of 5 from 3. That's pretty good. Taking the second most shots on the team, but it's only 11 shots. And scoring 14 on 11, that's, that's a good night for Will Barton. Six rebounds, five assists, had a key steal late in the game to boot. Uh, Monte Morris was kind of getting cooked on the defensive end by Corey Joseph towards the end of the game. And Will Barton at one point said, screw this, I am taking this assignment and waved off Monte Morris. And then Corey Joseph tried to do the same action and and, and uh, Will Barton poked the ball away and Denver came up with a steal. So it's good to see Will take initiative in those situations. And he had a key setup to Nikola Jokic in the middle of the floor. He had a key three-pointer towards the end of the game. He wasn't perfect. I thought his third quarter, I thought he he wanted to make up for lost time a little bit in that third quarter. I don't think his decision-making was very good. But it happened where Denver still outscored Detroit by 16 points in the third quarter. So it wasn't really a big deal. Overall, good night for Will Barton. Wasn't an overstated night, but he did a little bit of everything that Denver needed. And I I really liked what his game offered tonight. I thought it was pretty good. Aaron Gordon tonight uh, defended Cade Cunningham for most of the evening. Cade Cunningham finishes with 18 points on 7 of 15, 1 of 5 from 3, had 8 assists, but he also had 6 turnovers. And uh, Detroit finished with 22 turnovers as a team compared to Denver's 11. So Denver was actually doing a pretty good job of, sometimes Detroit was just kind of throwing the ball over the court, but there were other times where Denver was forcing the issue, where they were taking it to Detroit. And though Detroit shot very efficiently tonight, like uh, I'll, I'll let it be known with Austin Rivers later, uh, Detroit shot very, very efficiently, but Denver getting 22 turnovers out of them, allowing just four offensive rebounds. Those are the things that also matter. They got to the line 19 times, did Detroit, but that was four less than or four fewer than Denver. So Denver was winning the margins battle. They shot less efficiently than Detroit tonight, but they did the other things better. They did the hustle things better. That's something that not a lot of people are going to give credit for Denver to do. But they did the right things. They made the right decisions. And I thought that this was a pretty good game from Denver from a process standpoint. And that's good. That's good to see. Uh, Gordon was was a big reason for that. And, and one of the things that's really standing out with his game did turn the ball over four times tonight. So I think, oh, that was, that was one of the things that I wanted to talk about. He had a post up kind of in the middle of the fourth quarter or so where he's backing somebody down, makes a great move, spins baseline, and a foul is called. And he's looking around, trying to figure out what's happening. And then the referee from the top of the, like from center court, who didn't really have a great angle on anything, just for whatever reason goes offensive foul. Calls Aaron Gordon for what was clearly not an offensive foul, in my opinion. Calls him for a foul. And Aaron Gordon does the funniest thing. He collapses to the ground, just, just out of pure disbelief and anger and disgust. Just collapses, does a, a flat star, a Patrick Star impression on the ground, 
it was very funny. I really like seeing that emotion from him because it shows that he clearly cares. And he got hit with the technical there. Uh, Will Barton got hit with the technical when he was also called for a, a very weird foul as well. There were seven technical fouls dished out today. Pretty sure, though, at least one of them was a defense of three seconds. But like Jay, uh, Dwayne Casey got hit with one. Um, Boogie and, and Rodney Magruder got hit with a double tech. It's kind of a feisty game. Surprised that nobody was thrown out or ejected or anything like that. But Gordon, I think he cares. And I think that's one of the things about him that he didn't necessarily project in his body language, in his style, uh, from where he from where he came from, and kind of just just how he approaches things. But he really does care. He really wants to win. And, and I'm glad that we're seeing this side of him where He's willing and able to do the things that the Nuggets need him to do to kind of fit in. And he's doing them really, really well and, and doing them with uh, energy and efficiency. Shot five of eight tonight. One of three from the three. Got to the line four times. Did miss a couple, but uh, continues to fill up the box score. Continues to guard the opposing team's best player all the time. He deserves a lot of credit for what he's consistently doing. I really like... Aaron Gordon's game. Monte Morris, uh, don't like what I saw from him tonight. Uh, there there was a, like, he, here's the thing. Seven assists, one turnover. There were things that, that you can point to and say, okay, he did some good things here. He did not shoot the ball well. Uh, his floater game has been so off this year. His long jumper game is a lot better than his floater game. And, and that's something where teams have started to really adjust to what his game really stands for. So that when he can't get all the way to the rim, teams are trying to run him off of that jumper. They're trying to force him into that in-between area where he doesn't necessarily know whether he wants to get all the way to the rim, whether he wants to pass it out of there, whether he can dump it off to Yoke or somebody else. I'm not concerned about Monte though. Like this is he he was due for a bad game. He's had a lot of great games and he's played really well for Denver throughout this year. This was a stinker. This was not a good game on either end of the floor. But we've seen good players have bad games. And the great thing about Monte is that he really bounces back from these situations. So hopefully this is one of those cases. Austin Rivers finally. Um Austin Rivers is an elite interview. He is somebody who I think all the media folks really gravitate towards him a lot of the time because he's very candid, very appreciative of the media, uses us in a positive way, I think, and tries to get his message out there and and use the media for, for the right reasons, I think. And he speaks openly and candidly with everybody and said today uh, just a, a bunch of great things about his his situation and how it was really tough to see him to to be DNP'd, to be taken out of the rotation for last game against the Grizzlies. He was back in the rotation tonight, was starting tonight, and I kind of thought that that would be the case. But he said he had a conversation with Michael Malone about how this was happening and that he wasn't playing that well. And that they just had an honest conversation about what each of them could be doing better and how the situation was going to play out. So he said it was a good conversation, and I think clearly he has stayed ready. Thought he played a really good game today, 11 points on 4 of 7 from the field. Only 1 of 4 from 3, but that means he was 3 of 3 driving to the line or driving to the paint. I thought he slashed really well. Also had a couple of good passes, uh, really good kickouts for threes hit some open players, and then got a couple key steals as well. So you're getting a good version of Austin Rivers tonight, and that's healthy. That's he, he stepped up in place of where Monte Morris really struggled, and that's what you need from a team like this. Against a team like Detroit, it doesn't necessarily take everybody to win. You just need to have enough, and Austin Rivers helped provide enough tonight. So good on him for being able to step up, being able to do that. Uh, really like what I saw from him. I'm not sure he's going to stay in the rotation. Think if Bones comes back, if Jeff Green comes back, if Jermichael Green comes back, 
think Austin Rivers is probably out. I think it's going to be hard to play Faku, Austin, Bones, Davon, and Bryn Forbes all in the same game, unless you change the starting lineup, and I don't think Denver's doing that. So this is going to have to be a really tough place for Michael Malone to navigate things, and he's going to have to probably take some heat if he if he benches maybe Bones, who I don't know has fully earned minutes. Might bench Faku, might bench Austin at one point, uh, might kind of be on a rotating basis based off of who's playing well. So I think it's one of those things where we're going to be talking about this for a while, but if Rivers keeps playing like this, if he plays good basketball on both ends of the floor, I thought he played good basketball tonight, then he's going to be out there and Michael Malone's going to trust him because he's a veteran who knows how to win. So we're going to have to see what happens. Let's take a break. When we, punk, when we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit and DeMarcus Cousins' debut. But first, we just had the divisional round wrap up. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, they went back and forth in that game. It was actually really funny. We were at Ball Arena tonight, and half of the arena didn't know what was happening with the other half of the arena where you had these random cheers pop up and, and everybody's following the, the divisional game between the Chiefs and the and the Bills. Epic game. Really interesting to watch. Really fun to, to watch transpire. And anybody that had the over-under on that game, congratulations, it went over. Anybody that had the, the Bills money line, I'm really sorry. Really, really sorry about that one. But if you're interested in those terms and if you want to get in on the championship round, Make sure to go check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. They've been doing this promo where you can get 56 to 1 odds on any team that you bet for. You bet just $5, you get $280 in free bets, you know, because 56 times 5 is 280. Um, yeah, that's right. I had to check on that one just for a second. Uh, but they're doing that and they're, they're giving you free money, basically. If you pick the right team here, and that's if you're a new user, but if you're not a new user, you can still get in on the action for the championship round with same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game, get a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. It is that simple. So if you do download DraftKings Sportsbook, make sure to use promo code MHS when you do. That lets them know that you came from us, lets them know that we're doing our thing, and you can get that 56 to 1 odds boost, and it should be excellent to experience for yourself. That's promo code MHS for 56 to 1 odds only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Back, pick Axe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. It would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Continue to grow the program. Continue to do good things. Thank you so much if you do. Uh, let me know if you drop a if you drop a rating or a review. I would love to reach out to you and thank you personally. All right, let us get into covering this bench unit and and really talking about the. The five players that Denver had available, because let's face it, that's that's how they were handling tonight. Initially, Denver was going to use a nine-man rotation because Bones Highland was out with a non-COVID-related illness. Getting kind of worried about him. It's a little bit weird that he's been as sick and ill as he has been. Um, I yeah, it's it's hard to explain. I hope that his uh hope that this is just a one-time thing and that he doesn't have to really have to worry about this any every now and then for the rest of his career. Uh, but he's been getting sick a lot, and it's uh, it's put him in and out of the rotation a lot. So hopefully he's doing okay. Uh, Jeff Green sat, as, as we talked about, with a quad contusion. Jamichael Green was still getting back from health and safety protocols. He probably could have played tonight, 
but they decided to hold him out anyway. Um, and then you've got your other four guys who are who are out as well. Uh, you've got Vlako Chanchar, you've got Michael Porter, you've got Jamal Murray, and who am I forgetting? I don't even know, but... Uh, oh, Marcus Howard. Uh, Marcus Howard is... Uh, gosh, where was Marcus Howard? Oh, he had a non-COVID illness as well, so... Maybe there's a bug that's going around Denver's locker room. That's great. That's a, that's a really good sign. But either way, Denver was left with five players, and those were the five players that they played on the bench unit at various points. They were going to go with a nine-man rotation without Davon Reed, but the foul trouble that Will Barton had in the second quarter got Davon into the rotation, and I think that's, that's an interesting thing here. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, he was the center. Uh, Zeke Naji, the power forward, Davon at small forward. Bryn Forbes at shooting guard, and Faku Composo was the point. Uh, let's start with Boogie. This was his first performance or his first game in Denver, and uh, not the best shooting performance from him, to be clear. Two points on seven shots, one of seven from oh, from the field, O oh of three from three, missed both his free throws. Clearly, the, the shooting was not uh, there tonight. It was not good. But he did grab six rebounds in 12 minutes, including an offensive rebound where he got fouled. Um, had just one turnover, not a not a high turnover night for the bench. That's actually one thing I would like to point out. Denver's lineup looked pretty functional tonight. They looked pretty safe. And they only committed two turnovers on the evening. One was by Faku. One was by Cousins. That's a good sign. That's a good sign that Denver's moving in the right direction, I think. Even if the shots didn't go down, it felt like they were getting some pretty good looks. And DeMarcus Cousins being out there, he was screening a lot. He was doing a lot for Vaku, for Bryn Forbes, and even for Davon Reed and Will Barton when he was staggering a little bit. Monte Morris also staggered too. Uh, that's a big story from this in the in the first half of the game. Initially, like I said, they're going to go with a nine-man rotation. But the guy that they weren't going to they weren't going to stagger Barton. They actually pulled out Monte early, and he went into the second unit. Now, if you're asking yourself, could that have contributed to his one of nine shooting performance? Maybe. I would have to look at those shots again, see where they took place, but that's at least a decent theory. I'll have to look at it. But yeah, Denver goes with those main four, and then Davon Reed comes in a little bit later. Um... But Boogie is going to be around. I really do think that he's going to be on this team for a little bit here. And they're ultimately going to sign him to a second 10-day in all likelihood. And barring an unforeseen circumstance, I think they will give him a full-time roster spot. I think that this roster spot is saved for him down the line. Now, if something changes, if they make a deal and they have to take on an extra contract, then that's something that they have to do, and you'll just have to figure it out from there. But I do think that DeMarcus Cousins being in the building, being an option, kind of gives them just a little bit of extra flexibility when it comes to the big man rotation. Because lately they've been going with Zeke Naji, and they've been going with Jeff Green staggering. They've been going with Aaron Gordon staggering. Sometimes they would play Jamichael Green. I mean, they would play Jamichael Green every night when he was available, and they will probably go back to that when he comes back. So we're going to see what happens with with this big round notation going forward. But Demarcus at least gives them another look. And the thing that he did really well tonight, he screened. He screened really hard on off ball screens and on ball screens. Only got called for one screening foul. And the rest of the night, he was setting good illegal picks, using his body, using his mass, and he created some some good lanes for Faku going downhill, for Bryn Forbes coming off of screens. And I think that's something that Denver can continue to use. Maybe let's say when Jamal Murray comes back or Michael Porter comes back or something like that, Bones Highland should be able to come off of screens like that and do pretty well. So we're going to have to see what happens, but... I do think that Cousins is going to be in the rotation. I do think that they like having him around. And Mike Malone. Mike Malone, if you're talking to DeMarcus, uh, who also is a very good interview, by the way. I think that Michael Malone really wanted DeMarcus Cousins. I think he really wanted to have him around. 
is very excited to have him back in the building and is looking forward to continue to work with him. I think he's going to be on the team. And I think this was a pretty good debut, all things considered, despite the fact that the jumper didn't go down. Because what happens if it does go down? What does the bench plus minus look like if they get two threes out of Boogie? I think that's a good sign. Bryn Forbes, um, another newbie to the rotation. 12 points tonight for Bryn. Four of nine from the field, two of five from three, two of two from the line. Didn't do a damn thing else. Uh, One rebound, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, zero turnovers, four fouls. Still a problem on the defensive end. Still something that Denver has to think about. He wasn't very good uh, switching on to different players, and Denver's going to have to figure that out. But I did like what I saw from Denver's... um, uh, From the minutes that he was sharing with Jokic, he got free for a couple threes there and got free when, when Detroit decided that they were done with Jokic scoring on them and they needed to double team. They decided that... They were going to leave Bryn Forbes open, of all people, because that's the guy that they had to leave open due to Denver's rotations and due to the the cuts that they were making, the off-ball screens, etc. So Bryn Forbes is going to get some opportunities with Denver. He's going to get them with the starters, going to get them with the bench. Played a lot of minutes tonight, played 21 minutes, and he was good. Uh, He was good on offense. So getting 12 points from him, getting some good production, that is healthy. That is good. Faku Campazo, good game for him tonight. Not a lot to say about Faku, honestly. I thought that he made the right hustle plays, made some good reads, set up DeMarcus Cousins, set up Nikola Jokic, uh, set the table for Zeke Naji on one of his threes. Uh, this was a good night for Faku. Took advantage of the matchup, and when you're going up against Killian Hayes and Rodney Magruder and Cassius Stanley and guys like that, Hamadou Diallo, Like, you have to take advantage of this matchup, right? Like, this is the game where you need to show out. You need to play. And I thought that they did some good things. Um, Faku did some good things himself, too. Was a plus two. A plus two in 21 minutes. I will never complain about Faku if he's a plus two. Promise you that. It's just that usually it's not like that. So, this is how a game should look. This is the kind of outing that you should expect on a reasonably regular basis. Good shooting night for Faku, playing pretty well, three assists to one turnover, gets a couple steals. This is a good Faku night. They've been kind of infrequent of late. So I hope that he continues to play well. I hope the, the bench continues to look this functional because it looks functional against the Detroit Pistons who are 11 and 36 or 11 and 35, excuse me. They were 4-20 on the road heading into tonight, so they are now 4-21 because they took the L in the Mile High City. Uh, I think that's hilarious, by the way. But yeah, we're going to see. We're going to see with Faku. We're going to see what happens to this backcourt rotation when everybody gets healthy. It's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, Zeke Naji, 5 of 5 from the field, 12 points. Two of two from three, three rebounds. It was funny. I criticized him last game for not being tough enough on the the offensive glass and kind of rebounding. And, and lo and behold, comes into the game. I think he won three extra possessions for Denver immediately when he entered the game. So either the Nuggets noticed the same thing and wanted to get him more active on the glass or that was something that he chose to do. Or maybe just wanted to stick it to Ryan and say, Ryan, you're a moron. I can do this. And he did. He did a great job. And you like to see that from him. He did some good things. Not not a ton of good things switching. I thought that he got beat a couple times. Uh, But he was a plus three. Part of a positive unit on several occasions. And played 17 minutes, which meant that Aaron Gordon only had to play 31. That is a good thing. That is a very, very good thing for this team. You want to limit Aaron Gordon's minutes because he's been carrying a very heavy load. Um, and then lastly, Davon Reed. Davon is a good player. I hope that he's in the rotation every night because personally, I think that when he gets set up, 
with good opportunities, he is confident enough as a shooter and competent enough as a player to be able to take advantage of it. He's very functional. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to play. And he ran right to the corner on a fast break that Jokic was running, and uh, Jokic hits him in stride. Davon gets up a three. He hits it. At one point, they, like, I think it was in the first half, in the first stint where Davon was in for about four minutes. He wasn't in the initial rotation. They're running a play for Nikola Jokic on the left block, trying to get him the ball off of some off-ball screens. And Davon breaks the play. He realizes that he's wide, wide open because his guy kind of sticks around with Jokic. He breaks to the top. Faku's like, but I'm supposed to give the ball to Jokic. And Davon's like, no, please, please, please give me the ball. And he passes Davon the ball. Davon takes the shot, even though his man was closing out and getting pretty close. And Davon hits it. Those are pretty ballsy plays. Those are plays where you need to hit the shots, where you're taking the shot pretty quickly. You have to stay confident. You have to stay engaged. But you're also taking a chance in that situation. Because if you miss it, you might get pulled. You might get pulled for being too confident, for not for kind of deviating from what the plan is. Nikola Jokic, he didn't even know that the ball was in the air, that the ball was being shot when he was trying to get the post up from Faku. He turns around, looks, sees the ball sailing towards the net, drops right through. He's like, all right, that's cool. That's great. You want guys that can be able to do that. That's why Michael Porter's so valuable. He might break from the play every now and then, but if you leave him open, he's supposed to. He's supposed to have 45% of his catch-and-shoot threes. Davon Reed's doing that right now. He's hitting 45%. That's insane. So let's see if he can, let's see if he can continue to do that. That would be great. That would really, really help Denver. Things got close at the end, but the Nuggets were able to hold on. Uh, they're exhausted. They're tired. They had 10 players available. It's no surprise that after a really strong third quarter that they gave some back in the fourth, that they weren't necessarily all that engaged, but they made just enough plays down the stretch to be able to survive. And that's what happens when you have Nikola Jokic. It's what happens when Will Barton comes to play, when Austin Rivers makes a play, when uh, who was on the court, uh, when Aaron Gordon's making plays. He was doing some good things too on both ends of the floor. So you like to see that from your group. You like to see that from the team that should beat the Pistons. Let's be frank. They should have done this, and they did. And I think that this is an important step for them. That's surprisingly, they're now really good against teams under 500. They've eliminated the trap games, at least for the most part. They've done a really good job, mostly been very focused. And that kind of leads us into the third segment. So when we come back, we're going to take stock of this team before the road trip. Where are they at? How are they doing? What can they improve? We'll be right back. segment pick action roll thank you so much for tuning in if you have uh thank you so much it means the world to be able to bring this content to you as much as i can um was at the game tonight kind of a sparse crowd tonight not surprising on a sunday where lots of people are watching football it's still not the weather's still not perfect and uh, uh but it was nice it was nice to to see the detroit pistons and get to see kate cunningham for the first time he's gonna be special gonna i'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can continue to do but for now, let's talk about the Nuggets. Let's talk about where they're at. Um, right now, Denver is 24-21. and 21. Uh, They are the sixth seed in the Western Conference. Uh, after a 4-2 and two homestand, Denver is now 13-9 and nine at home, as opposed to 11-12 and 12 on the road. Despite the fact that they just had a six-game homestand, they still have more road games than they do home games, and that's about to increase. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. That's great. Uh, Denver's going to 
at the end of this road trip, they are going to be at 22 home games versus 20, or yeah, 22 home games versus 29 road games. That's a lot. That's a big, big disparity. And so they're still, they're still kind of going through it, but the, the hat flips, uh, the coin, you, you, you hits the other side at various points and Denver's going to have an easier second half. The easy part just hasn't really started yet. They're still waiting on that. Um, Denver is 18 and 5 versus sub 500 teams. 18 and 5. That's really, really good. One of those losses was a letdown game after the Miami Heat road win. Uh, they lost to the Orlando Magic, where Denver should not have lost that game. They had no business losing that game, and they still lost. One of the other games against the sub 500 teams that Denver's lost so far. Um,. Just look through it here real quick. Uh, they lost to Portland when they were down Jokic. That's one. They lost to the Spurs on the second night of a back-to-back in the middle of a seven-game road trip. They lost to the Thunder. That was a really bad one. That was on the front. Oh, that was when um, that was when Denver's game against Brooklyn, which was supposed to be on the twentieth, got postponed. And instead, or on the 19th, and instead they basically had to wait for several days in Oklahoma City. Um, No wonder they lost that game. They were bored out of their minds. Um, And I'm pretty sure that's it. But uh, do they lose to anybody else in particular? No, I I don't think. Nothing major. For the most part, though, they've been good against these bad teams. They've been very dedicated to trying to get those wins. And winning... 18 out of 23 games against sub-500 teams, that's how you bolster your record. It doesn't necessarily say how strong you are as a team, but it really does help in the seeding process. And I think what we can really see and what we can take away from where Denver is at right now, they are firmly in the play-in mix or are in the playoffs and out of the play-in as the sixth seed. Because they have won so many games against sub-500 teams, they haven't slipped up in those situations. That is healthy. That is a really good sign of a well-coached team, frankly. I know people are going to be like, wait, Ryan, what are you talking about? They have some like badly coached moments all the time. This is the data. This is what good teams do. This is what the Spurs do. This is what the Jazz do. This is what the Heat do. They take advantage of these crap teams, and then they try to win as many of the games as they can against the plus 500 teams. Now, Denver, with two hands tied behind their back and in the middle of a limp, without Michael Porter, without Jamal Murray, without P.J. Dozier for part of the year before he was moved, with all the injuries that they faced, uh, they also missed Nikola Jokic for a key road trip not key road trip, for a key segment of the season. They are 6-16 six and 16 versus plus 500 teams there. They've won 6 out of 22. Not a good ratio. If you are a 50-win team, I generally think that the best way to be a 50-win team is to win about half of the games against plus 500 teams and about three quarters of the games versus sub-500 teams. So assuming they're about equal, you go 30 and 10. Let's go 30 and 11 versus the sub-500 teams. You go about 20 and 21 versus the plus-500 teams. That puts you at 50 and 32. That's how you get 50 win seasons. That's how you get the... Uh, seeding that you like. That's how you get out of the play-in if you're in the Western Conference here. Denver's well on the way in one of those categories. 18-5 and versus sub-500 teams, that's really, really good. And the fact that they've been able to do that with the injuries that they have, I really do think that that stands to coaching. Also, you get to rely on Nikola Jokic, who's the MVP. But you have a good coach. You have somebody who has you ready and able to take advantage of those situations. Now against the plus 500 teams, this might be where a better coach were able to steal one or two more of those games. 
But let's face it, Denver's in a situation without their second best player, without the third best player, where it's really hard to win against the most talented teams. You're reaching a talent ceiling. You're not good enough. And I do think that that's where a lot of people get frustrated. It's where I get frustrated sometimes, that you're bashing your head against the wall, trying to beat some of these teams when you put yourself into a position where you can beat a team like Memphis, and then you give it away because your bench is bad. That's really sad. It's really tough. But it's also kind of natural. It also makes a lot of sense. And nobody's nobody in the NBA is scratching their hands at their heads at Denver. Nobody is questioning, oh man, why is Denver underperforming? Well, it's probably because they don't have Jamal. It's probably because they don't have Mike. Like that might be a slight indicator there. And that's good. It's good that most people are like, okay, this makes sense. This isn't crazy. We're not crazy for thinking that this team could be better than they are, but obviously they're injured. And obviously, Nikola Jokic still doing some fantastic things to be able to keep them at this point. I think everybody is universally agreeing about that. Now, there are some reasons why they struggle against plus 500 teams more than they do against sub 500 teams. I think Faku Kampaz is one of the guys that I think is a big bellwether for that where his performance against the sub-500 teams is so much better than against teams that can really take advantage of his size, of his of his scheme, of his lack of shooting. Detroit, for some reason, was guarding him pretty close tonight, other than the three that he made, where Jokic was screening for him, and then I don't remember who the defender was, but if it was Corey Joseph, Corey Joseph went way under the screen, way under and Faku just had to take it. He had an eternity and a half in order to make it. And, and he made it. To his credit, he did it. He's one of those guys that when, you, when you're going up against a really good team, he may not play. And he may not play because Jamal Murray's coming back. And if Jamal Murray's back and you start to really raise that talent threshold, then maybe start rattling off some of these wins against the plus 500 teams as you get the good vibes back. Maybe you win 60% of your games against plus 500 teams from now until the end of the season while keeping that same pace against the sub-500. And if that's the case, you're going to be back into good form. I really do think that. They'll be able to make up some games. Now, here's where we stand. Only 10 players available on the final game of a homestand. They're about to go on a road trip where they're going to be pretty undermanned. DeMarcus Cousins is going to have to be big. Bryn Forbes is going to have to be big. Vaku's going to have to play pretty well. Bones, he's got to get healthy again. You're going to need contributions from everybody. It can't just be Nikola every night. It can't just be Aaron Gordon and Will Barton. Monte Morris has to get back on track. Austin Rivers, if he plays, he's got to have games where he hits multiple threes again. That would be great. They need that. This podcast is posting on January 24th. We are officially over nine months out from Jamal Murray's surgery, which happened on April 21st. That's when his recovery process started. And now that nine months have, have elapsed, I do think that we can start getting into the Murray Watch um, section of the season. We can start thinking, okay, what's he doing? Is he playing live? Is he getting some three-on-three? Three? How's the contact going? Is he playing against somebody and, and really testing that knee out? And is it responding well? What's it look like? Is he getting a, a stint in the G League to try to play against live competition? I don't know. But what I do know is that part of me thinks it might be too little too late. Denver might be in a situation where I was thinking about this last night where you have the Phoenix Suns, you have a team like that, a team like the Warriors, the the Bucks, teams like that that are going to be in the playoff picture, that are going to be in the championship picture. They've already gone through a lot of the parts of the season where they're figuring some things out about themselves, about their team, about different rotations and nuances of their group. And now they're just getting into a really good rhythm. 
Denver's yet to do that. They've yet to go through those steps. And once you start introducing new variables into that, once again, it's going to be tough to get that rhythm. It's going to be tough to, like, when, when you're focusing on just getting Murray back and getting him healthy, it's tough to really start to figure out, okay, now Murray works really great against Chris Paul, but not as great against Devin Booker. Or he works really great against Clay Thompson, but not as great against Steph Curry. Those are parts of the thing when you start to worry about matchups and nuances and really getting into the nitty gritty of how a team becomes a championship team. Those are parts of the season that I think Denver's going to miss out on because they are so delayed and so broken. Now, getting him back is much better, better late than never, of course, better than the alternative. And I still circle February 26th. It's the first home game after the All-Star break. It's against the Sacramento Kings. I'd say that that's the most likely day that he returns. Either that or March 2nd, which is a few days later, uh, against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Both of those games are at home. Murray will debut at home. Almost positive about that. But we're going to see. And if it's delayed further beyond that, like February 26th is game number 60. That means that there are 23 games from that point until the end of the year. March 2nd um, is game 62. That means there are 20 games. 22, 21, but still. Murray will probably sit on the back-to-backs. He'll probably still take it pretty slow as he should. But there are going to be times where he's going to have it difficult to try to get back into the swing of things. And I am just, I'm, I'm worried that they're going to try to rush him in too fast. Then it might be a little bit too much, or, or maybe it's not fast enough and Denver's just not going to find that next gear. But we're going to have to see. We are going to have to see. Uh, we didn't get Murray on the. Uh, pre-game shoot around today, uh, pre-game shooting routine because he's in health and safety protocols. Um, hope he's feeling better. But we did get to see Michael Porter shoot again pre-game, and he looks really good. Got some good lift on the jumper. He's probably still a ways away. Obviously, there's a difference between taking jump shots and banging into somebody, dunking, um, moving around laterally and trying to do quick change of direction stuff. Puts a lot of torque on the back. Probably more torque than a straight-up jumper does. But we're going to see. We're going to see where he stands as well. Uh, Denver, they're still very confident. I still think he's probably a ways away, but that doesn't mean that he can't play. And if you start looking into the possibilities here, Denver getting back 30 minutes of Jamal Murray and 20 minutes of Michael Porter, that bolsters a 240-minute rotation. Certainly does. Makes things a lot easier for other uh, rotations that Denver has. And you start to view Monte Morris as a sixth man again, as opposed to a very useful starter. And you start to strengthen that rotation a lot more than where it was. Um, but either way, are Denver's problems any different if they were healthy? Like when those guys come back, are there still going to be problems? The perimeter defense is still going to be a problem. I don't think Murray really solves that. Porter definitely doesn't. Are the bench minutes without Jokic better? Probably. They're probably less of an issue. Is the floor spacing around Jokic better? Oh, yeah. You're adding two elite shooters around him. And you're playing a lot better shooting lineups in general. Less lineups with less bad shooters. Fewer. Would be great. End of game situations. Is Denver better? Is the Murray-Jokic pick-and-roll the best thing since sliced bread? I think so. I think that you feel pretty good about that. Is the backup center situation still an issue? We're going to see. We're going to see what DeMarcus Cousins looks like. Probably still needs to play himself into better shape. Probably still needs to play himself. He's dealing with a calf issue. Hopefully, as that goes away, hopefully it does go away. But hopefully, if it can, then he will move a little bit more speedy than he was because he was being dribbled uh, around by Trey Lyles today. That's never a good sign. 
But either way, Denver's got a six-game road trip. They, they go to Detroit. They play this Detroit team again. Then they play a back-to-back in Brooklyn against James Harden, not Kyrie Irving, and not Kevin Durant. Then they play at New Orleans, at Milwaukee, at Minnesota, and a back-to-back at Utah. So it's a really tough stretch. Three most important games from there are the Pelicans, the T-Wolves, and the Jazz. Not sure whether they can get all three, but if they could get two of those three, and then at least one of the other three between Detroit, Brooklyn, and and uh, Milwaukee, and you could call that a successful trip. Can Denver go four and two, five and one, six and zero? Oh? Sure. I think it's less likely, of course, but I think probably shooting for four and two, a positive road trip. I think that would be a great thing. Denver can do that, and if they can get to that point where they have the positive home stands, they have the positive road trips. Everything's moving in the right direction. And then you get Murray and Jokic and Porter all together. You're cooking with gas at that point. That would be fantastic. But like I said, we're going to see. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Make sure to check them out. Use promo code MHS. And make sure to uh, give this podcast a subscription. Uh, doesn't cost a dime. Doesn't uh, do anything other than get into your feeds on a consistent basis. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. That would be fantastic. Let's grow the program. Let's keep it going. Thank you so much, everybody. Really appreciate all the love and support. We'll talk to you guys very soon. 